Have you all uh, read the book, The Hiding Place? You guys know what that is? The Hiding Place is a wonderful book. I'm not sure when it was written, back in the 60s or 70s, I think. Um, story about the Ten Boom family that lived in the Netherlands during World War II that uh, built a false wall into their home and hid Jews from the Nazis that were coming looking for them. And this hiding place was very effective. Many Jewish lives were saved because of them. Of course, the Ten Boom family paid dearly for that um, practice that they did. But they, they made famous the hiding place. You know, when you were kids growing up, did you have hiding places that you went to? And some of you are going, yeah, I still got one. It's like <laughs> you guys saying it's, it's at the workshop back in my garage. You women are saying yeah, it's at Macy's. <laughs> Isn't that how we do this? We, we still have hiding places, don't we? Even though, it, you know, when we were kids, it was normal practice and we didn't mind because we went for retreat and safety and protection, you know, sometimes just to play. But as adults, you know, we don't talk about our hiding places anymore. That's childish, right? And yet we all have them. Some of it's like what I mentioned, others, chocolate cake or novels uh, or TV, whatever it might be, we have hiding places that we go. And sometimes those are emotional places. When we have to deal with people, which we all do, you know, a lot of times we have emotional hiding places where we build high walls where people can't get to us. Or we present ourselves in a way that's not truly accurate. We have hiding places. This is common. But the gospel of Jesus Christ offers a different and better hiding place than any of these I've mentioned. And I think our verse from Psalm 119 today opens up a door to help us see clearly the hiding place that God has called us to. If you have a Bible, I want you to open with me to Psalm 119, verse 114. The verse says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. You remember the story of David, right? King David, 1 Samuel. You remember how uh, he was uh, anointed to be the next king of Israel while there was still a king on the throne, King Saul. And of course, news got back to King Saul that this had taken place and that David was the heir, actually a parent of the throne. And Saul wanted to do everything he could to keep that from happening. So he tried to kill David many different occasions. He wanted his son Jonathan to take over the throne. Um, but God had different ideas. And so through the, the prophet Samuel, David was anointed to be king. And from that point on, he was basically on, it, on the run. Hiding in, first, in, in chapter 23, it talks about how he ran out into the wilderness away from Saul, trying to, to spare his own life, trying to keep alive. He, he ran to this place called the Cave of Adelam. Familiar with that place? It was David's hiding place. It was a secret place. It was a stronghold. He could defend it easily. The Cave of Adelam was his hiding place. And Psalm, I mean, uh, 1 Samuel 23 talks about how these different groups of people started coming to him. All these other people in his life and in the life of Israel that needed hiding place. They start gathering around him. What we learn as you read through the Bible is that God has always protected his people. He protected King David in many different ways from 
Saul from wild animals when he was a young shepherd boy, uh, in battle with his own son, Absalom. In many other ways, God protected David. And then we see also people in the Old Testament that God also protected, like Noah. How do you like that protection? Here's a big boat. Abraham received God's protection. Elijah, Daniel, many others in the Old Testament. Get to the New Testament. We see that God protects Jesus Christ, his own son, when he was an infant, sending him to Egypt. God protected him. He had a hiding place for his own son. And I bet if you recounted your own life, you would discover that God has actually done some hiding of you from time to time in your life. God has protected you, hasn't he, from different things. Many times from things you don't even know. He's protected you. We find ourselves now in this psalm, this stanza rather, in Psalm 119, verses 113 through 120. Uh, we covered last week, we talked about how this was a, a stanza that described the, the determination of a man of God to, to continue walking faithfully with God. That determination here in verse 114 includes running to God as our hiding place versus all the other options we have and many times take. The world would have you run to it. Um, some of those places that the world offers as hiding places are familiar and comfortable to us. And you don't provide the, the benefits of a divine hiding place. That's in view here in verse 114. Today, I want to encourage all of you who know Christ to make Christ your habitual hiding place instead of anything the world may offer you. I, I want those of you this morning who don't know Christ, and I'm certain there's a few of you here, I'd like to present Jesus to you as a secure place for your soul in those times of stress and hardship and fear. I want to offer Christ to you as the best hiding place possible. So as we dig into this verse a little bit, I want you to think about that. Whether you're a Christian or whether you have yet to know, get to know Christ, we both need to pursue Christ as a hiding place. This, this verse applies to everybody in the room because we all have a need of a hiding place. We all have fears and storms that we face, temptations that we must deal with. So let's begin by uh, looking at point number one. This outlines in your bulletin. Uh, this point, in fact, all my points are questions this morning. What is your hiding place or what is a hiding place? Uh, a long time ago when our children were young, Sherry's parents paid for a trip for all of us, all, all of our children and us to go to Disney World in Florida. Um, they must have got discounted tickets because it was in the midst of the rainy season. I mean, it was a deluge the entire time we were there. Well, we got out of the, this rental car and we had to get from here to there. And what do you do when you can't see across the parking lot because of the deluge? You run like mad across the parking lot and get under the cover that you're intending to get to. We all do that, not just in rainstorms, but in any storm we face. We look for some shelter. We look to find some place to be safe, to be protected, to have some cover. This is common. For David, it was the cave of Adullam in 1 Samuel 23. It was a safe place, hiding place, strong place. 
He knew that it'd be a good place to hide. In Psalm 32, which David penned, he said this, You were my hiding place. You preserved me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. So it might be better to ask the question of point one, instead of what is your hiding place, it ought to be maybe who is your hiding place? Because of the goodness and love of God, He is our hiding place. David made that clear in the verse I just read to you. So what makes a good hiding place? Whether it be something you visited as a child or someplace you go even now as an adult, or even in Christ, what makes a good hiding place? First of all, it's a secret place. It's a secret place. It wouldn't be called a hiding place if it were known, right? The fact that it's called a hiding place insinuates it's hidden. It's hidden. It's secret. Again, David writes in Psalm 27.5, For he will hide me in the shelter, in his shelter, in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. When God hides and conceals you, you are hidden. Even though we may go on our daily business as we do every day, God has hidden us from our pursuers. We are really hidden in plain sight as Christians. We're in this safe, secret place. Next, what makes a good hiding place is that it's, it has available space. Wouldn't it be disappointing to go to your hiding place only to find that it's full and there's no place to go? One of the most disappointing things about duck hunting is when you get, you start early in the morning, you get there in the dark and you go to your favorite spot and there's someone there. It's like, oh, all this effort. <laughs> there are times when places of safety are limited in space, like lifeboats. There's only so much space. But not so in the hiding place of God. There's always more room for another weary or scared soul. Jesus said this, Come unto me if you're weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you come to me, I won't cast you out. There's always room for people like us, people who are scared, weary, tired, in need of shelter. There's room. You don't have to worry that when you run to Jesus, there'll be no space left for you or that, you won't, that he won't let you in because you've offended him in some way this week. No, the hiding place of God is designed specifically for any who will come, and those who come must admit their need. That's the hiding place that God offers. He's not going to turn you away because you've done something wrong. He's not going to turn you away because there's no more room. Listen to this wonderful verse in Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. Speaking of Jesus, a bruised reed he will not break. Are you a bruised reed this morning? Are you? Are you broken in some way? Um, a smoldering wick, he will not quench. Are you barely alive, just barely smoldering? He won't quench? No. Christ invites all, whosoever will, can come. The doors are open, there's plenty of room. What a hiding place. Thirdly, a good hiding place not only offers a secret place, available space, it offers protection. And not just protection, but a protection as long as necessary. I mean, how bad would it be to 
run to a hiding place only to have it break down halfway through the storm. In God's hiding place, he protects those who put their trust in him. It's a place of complete security within the walls. Again, David, Psalm 57, 1, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. How long? Till the storms of destruction pass by. That's how long. Until the storm is over. Sometimes our storms last a long time, don't they? The hiding place is good throughout the entire time of your storm. When I was in high school, our family had chickens. And we entered, or when I had to enter the chicken coop, it was my job to feed them and collect the eggs. And every time I would go in there, if, if they had little chicks, what would all the little chicks do as soon as I entered the, the chicken coop? They'd all run for mom. And they'd all stay under mom's wings until the storm left. Me, in that case. Until that guy's gone, I'm staying here. That's exactly the description of the hiding place of God. David said, until the storms of destruction pass by, I will take refuge in you. It's the kind of hiding place we're talking about. It's there for as long as the storm is raging. Sounds like a good hiding place, doesn't it? What good is that hiding place if it gives you up? Right when you need it most. In John 10, Jesus assures us that the good shepherd does not desert the sheep when they're in danger. He's always there. You might ask if you're thinking with me, well, what about those Christians who lose their homes to bankruptcy? What about those Christians who get cancer in their 30s? Or those poor Christians in China or Africa who are being persecuted for their faith? Where's their hiding place, Pastor John? You think that? Has God's hiding place failed them? If you've been here at Sun Valley Church, you've heard the answer to this more than once. But I'm going to say it again for those of you who haven't heard it yet. Just because you're going through hard times doesn't mean your hiding place has failed. You know Paul, the apostle, the guy who went through more than most of us ever will. In our entire lifetime combined, he went through some amazing difficulty, hardship, pain, disappointment. And he says this at the end of his life, right before he was put to death, he says this to his young disciple, Timothy. 2 Timothy 4.18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Have you not been paying attention, Paul? You haven't been rescued from every evil deed. You've gone through them. You've been beaten. You've been stoned. You've been thrown in prison. You're about to get your head cut off. You haven't escaped. And he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. Really? And now here's the key, the key to understanding the whole idea of God's hiding place and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. The key is realizing that the point of the hiding place is to get you to the heavenly kingdom, not to get you to avoid displeasure or hardship. 
God's watching out for you through the storm. The hiding place doesn't take you out of the storm. It keeps you safe, keeps you safe in it. So the Apostle Paul can say, in fact, what he said to Timothy, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. So the difficulty of African Christians and, Christian, and Chinese Christians and 30-year-olds getting cancer is not a sign of God's secret hiding place failure. No, God's protection is always secure and goes beyond the grave even. God's hiding place is secure. Notice in verse 114, he says something else. He says, you are my hiding place and my shield. Is that just another way of saying hiding place or is shield something different? I, I submit that it's something different. Hiding place and shield are two different things in real life and here in this verse. So what's the benefit of a shield? Is Here it is. A hiding place is a fixed place. A shield is mobile. You can take the shield with you wherever you go. Like that wonderful family get-together you're having next week. You can take the shield there. God will protect you there. God will protect you at work. God will protect you wherever you go. That's the point of the shield. You take it with you. And it does the same thing a hiding place might do. Protect those who possess it. So what does a hiding place offer? Now, I, I put point two here in your, in your outline uh, for emphasis sake. I've already said everything I'm going to say here in point two, but I'm going to review it for you to drive it home for your soul because of the importance of this. First is, what does a hiding place offer? Complete secrecy beyond the reach of the world. Evidently, this hiding place is so secret, they can't get their hands on you. Now, why would someone need secrecy? Well, if the enemy knows where to find you, it's not going to be long till he harms you. Therefore, the place needs to be secret. Listen to the wonderful secrecy that we have in Christ. Listen closely. Colossians 3.3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> it's like you don't even exist to the world. They think you're dead and gone. That's how secret it is. There is nothing anyone or anything can do to harm your new life in Christ. Why? Because it's hidden in Christ in God. It doesn't get any more secret. Complete secrecy. Complete security. There are no breaches. I bet you if I were to ask, how many of you have had your private information breached in the past year? Half of you would raise your hands. We've all got that going on. Is there any breach in the hiding place of God? Never. It's pretty secure. It's eternally secure, infinitely secure. There is complete security. You remember Abraham, at one point in his life, his nephew Lot was, was captured by five bad kings and their armies. And Abraham took his 104 or 314 men and went and defeated armies of thousands. And he didn't know how that happened. But when he came back to his senses a few days later, he got a little scared and thought, hey, they're going to come back and they're going to destroy my family. They're going to destroy my home. They're going to, 
Wipe me out. And then God shows up in chapter 15, verse 1. Abraham had expressed his fear, and God says to him, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be great, very great. He says, Abraham, don't worry. There's nothing to worry about. I've got this. I am your shield. Five kings, complete security. Thirdly, complete protection, something you've already heard. It's a hiding place and a shield. There's nowhere that you can go on the planet, in the universe, that the shield doesn't go with you if you're in Christ. You are hidden in Christ and God. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. What a wonderful shield we have. What a wonderful hiding place we have. Thirdly, what are we hidden from? Well, storms, right? Well, in what form do they come? First of all, from the power of the world. You're hidden from the power of the world. The world has a lot of power over us, doesn't it? A lot of influence tries to take us down many ways. But Jesus said in John 16, I have said these things to you so that in me you may have peace. Isn't that one of the points of your hiding place is peace? Isn't that why you go to a hiding place is to get some peace? Whether it's one of your own man-made hiding places or the hiding place of God isn't. Aren't you expecting peace? That's why you go there? Yes. And Jesus says this is what he offers. And the world's going to give you tribulation. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Our hiding place in Christ is, hides us from the power of the world. Secondly, from the power of sin. Uh, of course, those two things are related, right? The world and sin. A lot of times our sin comes via the world. A lot of times it comes from other places. Paul wants us to know, he wanted the Roman church to know, that God's hiding place hides us from the power of sin. Romans 6, 12 through 14, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members, that is, like your hands, ears, eyes, your mind. Do not present those things to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members, that is, your hands, ears, eyes, brain, as instruments, members to God as instruments for righteousness. So use these things for righteousness, not unrighteousness. Don't let this hand do something unrighteous. Don't let this mouth say something unrighteous. And he says, this is, this is why you can actually do this. Look at the end of the verse. For sin will have no dominion over you. Sin will have no power over you whatsoever. You're not under the law, but under grace. So, this hiding place hides us from the power of sin and also from the power of Satan. There's another one in the same group. The world, sin, Satan, all joined together to distract you from your walk with Christ, to make you live in fear and absence of joy. They're together on this, you know. Our soul is in danger from Satan and his temptations. If you're a Christian, you'll need a hiding place and a shield of protection from the enemy's attacks. And he's a real enemy. He's not make-believe. He's not something Sunday school teachers make up to make you pay attention. He's actually a real enemy. Listen, 
Paul says in, Hebrew, in uh, Ephesians 6, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, you're not, you're, your fight's not with your neighbor. It's but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Satan is a powerful enemy. If you don't pay attention, he will take you down. Being in the hiding place of God hides you from his power. King David and this psalmist, Psalm 119's author, had many physical enemies, right? We read of them often as we read these psalms. But our primary spiritual opponent is spiritual, not physical. I'm, I'm pretty sure that no one's threatening your life right now. Maybe they are. I don't know. I doubt it, though. But our enemies are rulers, authorities, and cosmic powers, spiritual forces, Satan, the enemy. Who's going to protect you from them? Well, the hiding place of God. That's who. One of the greatest weapons of the enemy is stealth. We can't see him coming. We can't see the spiritual world with our eyes. And yet they're powerful. They're tricky. The longer we live in Christ, the longer we read his word and understand it and be taught it and live with other believers, the more we are aware of the schemes of the enemy, the more we can recognize them. And they're not so stealthy. We know that they try to wiggle into the smallest cracks of our armor and try to get between Christians to create friction. We, we learn of his methods, so we're aware of them. A couple good books that might help you understand the methods of the enemy are C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters and um, the Puritan book, Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. Worth reading, both of them. Screw Tape Letters and Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. This is what Paul said about the matter in the same chapter on spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6, verse 16. In all circumstances, what's he say to do here? In all circumstances, not some, not just when you see the enemy coming, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. You need to have that hiding place. You need that shield, friends, if you're going to survive the onslaught that you're going to face or are facing. Our enemy lobs in lust grenades, greed, greed bombs, discontentment rockets, bitterness, nerve gas, legalism, lasers, etc. And we face these minions daily. They're unseen, they're deceptive, they're smart, they're tricky, they're powerful, they're abundant. This isn't a game that's being played. This is warfare. Thomas Manton, the great Puritan, said, we cannot dream of ease if we would be Christ's soldiers. Do you think this is a cakewalk? <laughs> no. It's a battle, and you need a hiding place in it. The Apostle John knew this. He had some sheep that he was teaching, some followers of Christ. He said this to them in his first epistle, John, 1 John 5, 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. If you're in Christ, you're outside the reach of Satan. So stay there. Stay hidden in Christ. We're hidden from the protection, from the power of Satan, rather. We're also hidden from the power of self. 
If we could just handle self, wouldn't that be a great accomplishment? Self is a big problem for all of us. It doesn't matter where you are, you are there, right? And that's a problem. So what do we do? The hiding place, we're told in Scripture, protects us from ourselves. I just read for you from Colossians 3 where Paul said that you have died and now you are hidden with Christ. So you're dead to yourself. You're dead to your own agenda. You're dead to your own passions. You've died. You're in Christ now. You belong to him. Paul said the same thing to the Galatian church, chapter 2, verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. If you're crucified, you're dead. So you're dead to yourself. You're dead to the world. You're dead to your sin. You're dead to your own agenda. Being crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Christ, you are dead to yourself. It hides you from yourself. I need that. Also, from, it hides us from the power of fear of death. The power and fear of death. Researchers tell us that the fear of death is one of the greatest fears and most common fears in mankind. I would say at least 50% of you and you are very afraid of dying. But if you're in God's hiding place, that fear can be dealt with, can be put away. Listen to what the author of Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 say about the power and fear of death and how God's hiding place deals with it. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, and he himself, that is Jesus himself, likewise partook of the same things. In other words, he took on flesh and blood just like we do. So that through death, in other words, Jesus died, through his death, he destroyed the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Have you been a slave to the fear of death? And for how long? God's hiding place relieves you of that. It hides you. It protects you from the power of fear. Your place with Christ is secure beyond the grave. Nobody looks forward to the dying process. I'm not saying, you know, don't be weird about that. Everybody's afraid of the dying process. I'm talking about the dying itself. Are you really afraid of that? Are you afraid of standing before God? Are you afraid of what may happen out there in the midst of the afterlife? The author of Hebrews said, afraid of what? He's conquered the fear of death. You have nothing to be afraid of. My parents, who are wonderful Christian people, have talked to me my whole life about how great it's going to be to experience the rapture. The rapture, the rapture, this, the rapture, that. It's rapture, rapture, rapture. And how wonderful the rapture will be. And in my rebellious days, and I still believe this, but I was a rebel when I said it, I said, you know, Mom and Dad, I'd rather die than go in the rapture. And I still want to die before going in the rapture. Think of what happens in the rapture versus what happens in death. I mean, both are probably pretty cool. But the, the thing that happens in the rapture is 
you feel something weird happening and then it's over. With death, you have this little bit of excitement, a little bit of uncertainty. You know it's coming. You, you can see the end is approaching. You know who's on the other side. Faith kicks in. You have this wonderful experience of faith and that's described in Pilgrim's Progress when he walks across the river. Remember that? And lo and behold, you wake up and who do you see? Christ. Christ. I'd rather have that. So, put it in the record, Pastor John wants to die instead of going in the, in the rapture. The next thing that the hiding place of God uh, protects us from is from condemnation. Some of you are actually afraid of condemnation, standing before God and giving an answer. That's uh, for you, some of you serious-minded type people can be kind of frightening unless you're in the hiding place of Christ, unless you've embraced Christ, unless you find yourself in Christ. There is no fear in condemnation. Why? Because he took it. He, he paid the penalty that you actually earned. He paid for that. He covered your sin on Calvary. He completely covered your responsibility with your sin before God. He died so that you could live. There is no condemnation if you are in Christ, we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Well, so why fear something that doesn't exist, Christian? There is no condemnation if you're in Christ. Your, your presence at the judgment seat will be one of rejoicing in your Savior. All of these things that, that threaten us, the, the power of fear and death, the, the power of self, the, the power of Satan, the, the power of, of all these things, sin, the world. Paul tried to comfort the Roman church who were struggling with all these fears. They were in the midst of persecution. Their lives were in jeopardy physically. They didn't know a lot of things about, about the judgment day and they were just really riddled with fear as we are. So Paul summarized the hiding place of God in Romans chapter 8 verses 35 through 39 when he said this, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? No. In all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's a comprehensive list. Nothing else exists in the universe that may do damage to your hiding place. Nothing. So... Do you know where that hiding place is? Do you access it? Or do you continue to run to the world's hiding places?
you say, Pastor John, this would be a good time to tell me how to access it. Guess what point four is? How do you access the hiding place and shield? This is what you've all been waiting for the entire time here this morning. Look at the second half of verse 114. What does it tell us? Psalm 119, verse 14, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. There it is. You could have guessed that. We're in Psalm 119. The, the word of God is how we access. It's the access point. It's the gate. It's the, how do we get in? It's through the word. So what does the word reveal about this? What, well, it reveals, first of all, that we have a protector, we have a defender, we have a savior named Jesus Christ. The word reveals that to us. Now you know there is a place of safety if you'll just come. If you just run to him, he will do all things necessary to keep you safe. Not just today, not tomorrow, but forever, throughout eternity. Psalm 84, 11. For no good thing, for, for the Lord, rather, God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you go, there's the problem. I can't walk uprightly. What do those of us who can't walk uprightly do? It says, the Lord is a sun and shield for those who can do that. Who's done that lately? Any hands? Well, there you go. What's our problem? We're all in the same boat. We can't walk uprightly. So how are we going to access this hiding place? How are we going to access God who is our son and shield, our defender and savior? This is why you need to run to Christ. This is why you need to understand the gospel. In order for a hiding place to be of any use to you, you must use it. God, the, the Word of God, which Psalm 119 verse 114 points us to, our hope is in His Word. The Word of God reveals God as our Savior, our Defender, our Protector. Run to Him. The, this same Word invites us to put our trust and hope in God. God has invited His people, He did this throughout all Old Testament history, through His prophets, to trust Him. I'm trustworthy. Trust me, follow me, stay with me. Psalm 91, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God is saying, safety is here with me. Come, come. This is where it's safe. How are we going to dwell in this shelter that's promised in the Old Testament? Well, Jesus and the apostles make the same invitation in the New Testament. They say the very same things, except they insert the name Jesus. Acts 16.31, the Apostle Paul said to the jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be safe. You will be saved. You will be hidden. You will be secure. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Run to Jesus. Jesus himself said this, 
Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. <laughs> you don't need directions. You just need to know who it is. You remember Thomas? Lord, how are we going to know where to go? You don't know you're going. What did he say to Thomas? That poor, frightful soul. What did he say to Thomas? He didn't get out a map. He said, I'm the way. Thomas, I'm the way. So how do we access this hiding place, this shield that we so desperately need? The Word of God reveals God as our protector, defender. The Word of God invites us to put our trust and hope in Him. The Word of God promises divine protection, not just for life, but for eternity. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. The question is, have you taken refuge in him? Or are you still trying to find your refuge in your own creations? The world's plan and strategy. The, the only hope, the only true protection, the only eternal safety is to, take your, is to run to Christ, is to put your hope in him. Take refuge in Him. By the way, all these promises that you've heard me read this morning are not just warm sediments that some biblical author thought he would drop into his writing to make it sound attractive. No, these are actually inspired words from the heart of God to His people who depend on Him to keep His promises. God knows that we are weak. He knows we are vulnerable. He knows we can't do it on ourselves. He knows we can't even come to Him. And so he grants the grace and mercy to do it. He provides everything we need. He even provides the faith to come. The Bible reveals who will receive this help are only those who come to Christ. Who only embrace the promises of Scripture that he will forgive their sin if they'll just admit it, confess it, and run to him for their hope, their help, their shield. You must believe. And this, by the way, is, is for both Christian and non-Christian. The person who's walked with Christ for 50 years and the person who does not yet know Christ. It's the same answer. Run to Jesus The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What a wonderful psalm. The Lord does this for me. He does this for you. He does this for anyone who will just come. So, so stop trying to fight the battle on your own terms. Stop trying to provide protection and safety and security and secrecy in your own hiding places. Come to the, the one who can make and fulfill promises. Jesus, our Savior. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, now we come. You've said yourself, come to me if you're weary and burdened. And you'll give rest. <clears throat> I'm not sure I've ever met a person who's not weary and burdened. And so here we are. We all qualify 
under that designation of being weary and tired and burdened. We all come to you because you're the only place where we can find rest and peace and hope and security. You've made promises to us all over your word that it's only in you where we're going to find these things. It's only in you that we'll be eternally safe. Oh God, have mercy on us. Keep us from believing the, the tricks and the lies of the world and the enemy who would have us run other places and miss actually what we're pursuing. God, have mercy on us in this room today who desperately need you to do a work of grace and mercy on our behalf. Help us, those who know you, to not be drawn back into the world that has never been able to give us answers or hope, but to Christ, our hiding place. Our, our life is now hidden with Christ. Help us live that way daily, Father. Daily, Jesus. Daily, Holy Spirit, help us. And for those in this room who may not yet know you, who have never really heard that Jesus is this hiding place that they're seeking, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will convict them of their need to leave all of their sin, all their personal efforts, all their selfishness, all their pride at the foot of the cross of Jesus who died for those things so that we could have a certain and sure hiding place for now and eternity. Oh God, have mercy on all who are present. Draw us to yourself by your spirit. Confirm these things to our heart. And I pray this in the name of our wonderful Savior, Jesus. Amen.